I want to introduce you to somebody, and we'll put his picture up on the screen here. His name is Peter Singe. Peter is a professor at Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Sloan's School of Management. He is a business management guru. Recently, he met with some folks who are followers of Jesus, and they just happen to be leaders in their community of faith. And he posed this question. He said, why are books on Buddhism so popular and books on Christianity are not? And then he gave them his answer. He says, I think it's because Buddhism presents itself as a way of life and Christianity presents itself as a system of belief. And then he said to these leaders, I want you to rediscover your faith so that it is a way of living because that is what is so needed in the culture you live in today. And that has been my fear. In these recent months and years as I've watched our culture and I've watched the church, is that we will say we believe. This Jesus God thing is more than a belief thing. It is an action thing. It is, it is let me put it this way, if, if you want to see what I believe, then you'll see it in my actions. If I, if, if I have unforgiveness, if I have hatred towards someone, I will not forgive them, then by my actions you'll understand that I do believe in Jesus, but I just don't believe that Jesus part that says forgive and it shall be forgiven and, and then I'll forgive you and, and the whole process of forgiving 70 times 7, I'm not so sure I believe in that because of my actions. You can tell that. If I'm shacking up with somebody every week, I'm hooking up. If I'm, if I'm living with some folks and then I go and live with some, uh, some other lady and, and, and then I really don't believe the whole Jesus part about a man shall leave his mother and father, shall cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh and it'll be forever. I don't believe that part and the whole thing where he said if you think about someone and undress them in your mind, you're committing adultery in your mind and, and Jesus is not for that either. But I don't necessarily believe that part so then I really don't believe Jesus and you can tell by my actions. If I hold close all my possessions and my time and, and my dollars, then I probably really don't understand or truly believe the whole Jesus thing where he said, I was naked and you clothed me and I was hungry and you fed me and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you came and visited me. I was sick and you came and nursed me back to health. And they will say to him, Jesus, when did we... When did we do that or when did we not do that? And Jesus said, when you have not done it to the least of these, you have not done it for me. The first century church was, was so strongly attached to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself that every single day they would gather in the temple in Solomon's colonnade and they would reaffirm their love for God and for Jesus. And then they would go home and they would share what they had with each other. They would, they would go over the teachings of Jesus and reattach them to their lives and reinforce how they should live and hold each other accountable and pray for each other and walk with each other through the process because it was the only way that they would exist in their countercultural movement of that time because there was such a strong cultural bias and a violent attack against what they believed, yet they still had to live it out and they could only do it together in community. I think if you take 
the teachings of Jesus today, the honest teachings of Jesus, and put it against our culture, you will find that we're still, those who believe and act upon it are still under attack. In fact, I don't consider myself a prophet, but I will tell you this, that just by watching the signs, I truly firmly believe that we are right now on an accelerated journey of the division between the culture and the church. You're, going to, you're seeing it happen, and the time will come where we as, as community and we as individuals will have to decide whether or not we will blend in with the culture so that we don't offend our friends or cause harassment in our lives, or we will draw a line in the sand and say, here is where I stand in the kingdom of God, and this is how I must act. No matter how the culture perceives me, I must live this way. The New Testament church was able to do that because of their continuous gathering together. In that gathering was a reinforcement of the teachings of Jesus and the strength they needed to live daily. Every day they met for worship. Every day they met to reinforce the teachings. Recently it was reported that now in America, the definition of regular church attendance or regular gathering together with the community is now once a month. And my concern is this, where then will we get our support? Where then will be the reinforcement that we need? How do we live countercultural if we don't have that consistent strengthening? There's a headline that the Times News came up with about a week or so ago, and I don't know if you can read it, but it says, Erie ranks fourth among the most depressed U.S. regions. Gallup did a, a poll and, and went into to the regions of the country, and they discovered that Erie is fourth highest in the percentage of those depressed in their community. 26% of people in Erie have been told by a physician or a nurse that they are depressed. That is why we have been talking about who God is so that we'll have a greater understanding. How can you have hope if you always feel hopeless? And where is that hope place? So for these last weeks, we've been talking about who God is. And last week, we talked about God as being powerful. And, and in your notes, you'll see blanks that are filled in. And that's what we talked about last week. And I only did the first half. And I was going to run through that with you now. But I think I'm going to let you just download the podcast if you weren't here and understand when we talked about that God is limitless. And I want us to move immediately then into the second major point where I left off last week. And we're going to pick up there now. God's power is limitless, and he wants to share it. For that to happen, we must be more than just believers. We must be actively involved. Who in here has never run a 10-kilometer race? Ah, what would you do, Scott, to get ready for the race? Train. Train. Simple answer. He would, he would do cardio. He would actually get the muscles in shape. He would, he'd practice and how he should run. He would put out exertion and sweat. My wife, Pam, informs me that women do not sweat. She said they glow. 
So if I get her to want to, I say, let's go exercise, let's go run. She'll say, does run cause sweat? I said, yes. She said, then I can't do it. I will walk. In fact, there was one time that a couple years ago, actually probably about five, six years ago, I, I, I tried to get her to start running, and she said, okay, I'll try running with you. And so we would, we'd, I'd start before her, and I'd take a longer route, and then she would run, and then we'd pass each other. And, I, and sure enough, I'd pass her, and she is just chugging along and just, and just not sweating, but chugging along. And, and I thought, just what, what a wonderful lady. She just joined in with my activity. I found out two years later that when she saw me, she would run. Then she'd go back to her walking. She called it power walking. I call it sightseeing. And in, in fact, quite honestly, when it comes to exercise, so she sent this to me uh, a little while back. This is her idea of working out. Kissing burns 6.4 calories a minute. Want to work out? Yes. But it's still not going to get me prepared for the turkey trot. You got to train. If any of you have ever seen a marathon, half marathon, or participated in a half marathon or a marathon or a distance in between, you will understand that on the course, strategically placed, are stations. Those stations are filled with, with hydration, with water, with Gatorade, and with gels for, for nourishment to keep the body being able to function. See, they, they say that whoever studies this says that if, if you're running like that and you already get really thirsty, you've already started losing the battle because you should not feel thirsty because you're already dehydrated. And in doing so, there's a good opportunity that you will lose the time that you want or not even finish the race. So what they say is you keep hydrating, keep hydrating before the race, keep hydrating during the race so that you are running off your reserves. If we're going to live, live out the belief that, that God is power is limitless and that he wants to share it with us, then we're going to have to train ourselves. The scripture talks about training ourselves to be holy. That word holy really means to be other, to be separated, to be set aside. And so what we've got to understand is that there is an entire kingdom culture in which we have been designed to live, and we must train ourselves to live in that because we have a whole culture around us that wants us to live a way that is different than that culture that Jesus has created for us. So we must live a culture that is so different from this culture while living with the people we love in the culture. It is not a matter of isolating ourselves in some monastic movement so that we don't have to deal with those people in the culture, but we must stay with our friends, walk with them, but we have got to be entirely different than the culture. He said, train yourself. And for that to happen, it means that we together as a team must provide those places, those stations where we hydrate. We, we sang this morning about this river of God. We've got to give each other the opportunity as we, we surround each other to, to nourish each other and, and feed each other with those words of God and faith that help us to function off our reserves. Otherwise, and I see it happen too often, we have people who just collapse. They fall. They bail out. They say, I can't do this anymore. And the reason is we're not working off our reserves because we're not training ourselves and we're not encouraging each other in that process. Moses had seen 
God's power begin to erode the resistance of Pharaoh. God sent Moses to give a message to Pharaoh to let my people go, to, to free those captives up. And Pharaoh strongly resisted. This was his workforce. And so you know the story. God kept sending powerful supernatural happenings that were, were very uncomfortable and distasteful, and eventually even death was a result. And finally, Pharaoh says, go, leave. And immediately thereafter, upon, upon their departure, Pharaoh has this seller's remorse. He says, no, 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 I want them back, which then ends up with, with the children of Israel with their back against the Red Sea with the army bearing down on them. And what is amazing is the res result or the response of Moses at that time. And here's what he says in Exodus, the 14th chapter. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Circle that. And watch, circle watch. The Lord rescue you today, for the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. What are those last three words? Just stay calm. Circle that. What is amazing is at this moment, Moses does not know how. But he knows something is about to happen. So he says to them, I want you to stand still. The word actually means to station yourself. I want you to station yourself where the last place is that God took you, and don't panic, and don't depart from there. Don't scramble around, but go to the place where God has last talked to you and put you and stay in that spot. See, we have this tendency when things get fearful that we panic, we scatter, we, we go to try to find 500 answers to the one problem. And Moses said, God said, I just want you to hang out right here. Stay here. Station yourself and watch. Be ready to say, to, to, to be ready and look and say, God is going to do something, so I'm waiting because he is. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm going to see it. He's going to achieve this. He said, the way that you do this is you don't panic. The word actually means, in its root, is to be deaf. The intention is, I want you to be deaf to your fear. I want you to, to block out from, from your hearing those negative words, those what if, what if this happens, what if this happens, and then this will happen, and then this will happen. I have a friend who, who recently got laid off, and he called me right after the layoff, and he said, this was so totally unexpected. And he said, so now I'm thinking, what's going to happen to my house, and what's going to happen to to my kids because I've got them enrolled in private school and what's going to happen to and then what's going to happen into my and what's going to happen and what's going to happen and what's going to happen and and all of a sudden his whole life is destroyed in, in just a short amount of time God said through Moses be deaf to that so then when you start to hear the what ifs you start saying well what if but God is what if but God is but this thing but God is but I'm going to know what God is. Faith must be practiced before power is released. It's always been that way. When we don't know how, we need to act in the expectancy that God is going to do something for us. And together we must rehearse what he has already done. 
Because I can just see them here by the water. And Moses said, okay, now block out the fear. Well, the only way to do that is, okay, so what did he do in Egypt? Well, he did this and he did this and he sent that plague and, and the death angel came through and we were saved and then they piled these jewels on us and, and God took us out. Look what he has done. Rehearse that. And that's what they did. And the scripture says that God then says to Moses, tell them to quit crying out. Now move forward, which is a great, a great view because when he says move forward, where, where can they go? There's a sea behind them. And then God says, take the staff that is in your hand and I'll show you what to do. Understand that God's power will keep us moving ahead. See, some of you are in a spot right now where you feel like you're backtracking. You feel like you've lost the momentum. You feel like you've lost what God had given you. You felt like you just, you don't know what you have left. I want to tell you that when you walk with God, you are always moving forward. He has a plan for you if you wait for him and are deaf to your fear. See, our struggle with God's power always centers around our lack of faith. And faith comes from stationing ourselves, stationing ourselves where he know, we know he has proved himself. See, if I'm in a situation and I say, what is God's will for the future? I can't figure this out. Then what I've got to do is I've got to station myself back to where I know he has done things before. If God did this, then he can do something out there. I may not know what that is, but I know what God has done. Honestly, there are times I take the Holy Scriptures and I'll be praying and I'll just start through with saying, God, if you did this for Jacob, you can do this for me. And if you did this for so-and-so, you can do this for me. If you did this for David, you can do this for me. If you did this for the Apostle Paul, you can do this for me. If you heal the sick, you can do this for me. If you gave resources, you can do this for me. And I just start down through the Scriptures because it's all true, saying, if you did it there, you can do it now. I don't know how you're going to do that, but I know you can because of what you have already done. Thank you. So that's what we have to do. Some of you sit here today, you don't know where to go from this point. I want to tell you that you need to sit where God has placed you and begin to declare what he has already done and that you expect him to keep you moving forward. I have a friend who has a great job, but he has this incredible insecurity about his abilities. And so he worries about whether or not he'll get fired. He worries whether or not he will be able to, to accomplish the goals of the business. So we began to talk about how, to you, how do you reframe your thinking? How do you change your mindset? So here's what we talked, his plan of action. Every day you walk in that office, you thank God for that, that job because we know that God gave the job to this guy in a, in, a, in a wonderful movement of God and he saw that God was in it. I said, you've got to thank God every day for the job. God, thank you for this job right here that you've given me. Now you need to declare this, that if God has given you an appointment, a job, then he didn't send you there without the ability. Now, you may not have the ability, but he has the ability, and he resides within you, so now you begin to thank him. Thank you for the ability that I have. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've had to look at a situation and go, God, I cannot do that. And then I have to remember, if God put me there, then he brings the ability with the opportunity. And we've got to say, 
by faith, God, the ability is there. I don't know how you're going to do this, but you're going to do this. Then we talked about this. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said that you have not received the spirit which is of this world, this fear spirit. But you have received the spirit which is from God, who will reveal to you all the things that God has freely given you. So I said to my friend, God is a God of creativity. We talked about it last week. Look what he's created. So now you begin to ask him for creativity. When you get stumped with, with a, a problem that you're facing, say, oh, God, you are the God of creativity. Please give me the creativity that helped you create this earth. I mean, just take a moment. Look at the people around you. Just look at them. Don't you think God is creative? Do not tell those folks what you're thinking. So we said, pray. I said, pray that God will provide the creativity. So, so he sits there at his computer when he gets stumped, and he says, oh, God, you've got a creativity, so please give me the creativity. Here's the fourth thing I told him, because I know he practices the grace of speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that that grace is available to all who believe. And the amazing thing that Paul says about that, and there's, in that chapter, you've got to understand there's places he talks about speaking in tongues, which is a language not naturally acquired, given by the Spirit, that sometimes is spoken within a public gathering, in a small group gathering, and therefore it needs interpretation. But there's also conversation in there about us personally just praying to God in tongues, which is a communication that we don't understand in English, but it goes to God in perfection. And there is this intercession that takes place, and also a revealing, it says, of mysteries. So I said, what I want you to do is I want you to sit at your computer throughout the day, and I want you to pray in tongues. Now, not do the language out loud, yabba-dabba-doo, and let it just echo through the hallway, because, okay, he was the new foreign kid. No. But in, the, in, the, in the, the sweetness of the presence of God within you, you pray in tongues because God will reveal to you mysteries and you'll have understanding of things you didn't understand before. And the spirit of God will force away the spirit of fear that has surrounded you. God's power will provide self-control. You will not panic. We have the ability to change the starting point of our thinking. We can't start with the fear. We can't start with the disappointment. We must start with this who's God, who God is. That's why I encourage you to be here every week as we're talking about who God is because it gives you the ammunition you need. This is the God who is other. He is holy. There's no one like him. This is the God who knows everything. This is the God whose power is limitless. And you begin to declare, this is the God. It is more than just believing, it is acting upon it. And at times we have got to convince our minds by the repetition of the truth so that it... So it changes the way we have thought. Paul said, you've, you've got to be renewed 
by the, you got to be changed by the renewing of your mind, transformed. So you begin to say, this is who God is. I truly believe this. And you begin to act on it. And you, you begin to declare who he is and what his promises are over and over and over again. And then expect it to happen. That's why Paul wrote these words to his timid friend, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power and love. And really the emphasis there is a strong self-discipline. You can do this. Some of you are in panic mode because you're not sure what you're going to do. You can do what God's telling you you can do. What will transpire is this, that God's power will move us beyond our weakness. As a follower of Jesus, you will always be stretched. You're going to come to a place where God says, I want you to do this. Here's an opportunity or here's a circumstance. Here's a difficult situation. And you're going to say, I don't have the ability to go through that or I don't feel I want to go through that. Paul the Apostle knows exactly what you feel. He called it his thorn in the flesh. It was so strong that if he let it, it would become debilitating to him and he would stop. And so he went to God and said three times, please take this from me. And God's response each time was this. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. That means the ability. My power works best in what? In weakness. God is not looking for our ability. He's looking for our availability. And then he adds the power. See, I strongly feel that some of you in this place, and perhaps many of you in this place, have sidelined yourself from doing something that God wants you to do because you feel you don't have the ability or you don't really feel like you want to do it. I just want to say to you this. You have an assignment from God. And the time has come for you to go before him and say, I am weak here, but I expect your power. When Pam and I were first married, our first assignment from God was to go work in a church of about 300 people. It happened to be my father was the, the lead pastor, and I came to do discipleship, education, and worship and music. I was very unconfident in my abilities. I was very insecure. Pam will tell you whenever I spoke, I always said to her, okay, rate me from a zero to 10. How'd I do? She learned that she'd had to say a 10 or I would sulk for a week. I eventually, in the first five or six years, got comfortable with what I was doing, became accustomed to it, and became confident in it, but I did not want to stretch outside of the realm where I had been. And some of you are in that place right now. You finally got confident, and you say, I'm just not going to go beyond this spot. And yet God is saying, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to put you where you're going to be stretched. And you're saying, get somebody else. It was in that that comfortableness, that contentment. At about the sixth year that I had been in that place, that I got a phone call early one morning. I just stepped out of the shower, and Pam said, it's your mom on the phone. 
I got to the phone and, and my mom said, your father is in the ER in Roseville Hospital. He's had a massive heart attack. They think he's going to die. You need to come to the hospital. Totally unexpected. I rushed to the hospital, and my dad was all hooked up to machines and IVs, and he pulled me over, and he said, now, look, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I have full confidence in God, but now you are in charge of the community of faith. You must lead them. I wasn't ready. So after he got stabilized, I got in my car, had began making contact with the leadership of the church and said, I need to meet you tonight. And, and I'm driving away from the hospital. I said, God, what am I going to do? See, understand that where we were as a church at that point was this. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, my father has been a leader and he's going to, he's going to die. The church is in the middle of a church split. Some folks were unhappy and created division within the church and we're dealing with a church split. Before the church split, the church voted to move from its location. And so we are in the present, at that time, we're, we're finishing up the building of a building on some property and meeting in a high school, having to set up on Wednesdays and Sundays and not having a permanent home. In addition to that, what's flowing through my mind is there needs to be some spiritual giftings to lead this, this, this community of faith, and, and the Spirit of God will use those with, with discernment and tongues and interpretation and prophetic, and I had never been used in any of that because I was so content. So I said, God, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to lead. I don't want to do and My dad's going to die. And the only words I heard, just as clear as a bell, not, not audibly, but just in here, was this. Be still and know that I am God. Same thing that God told Moses to tell the people. Station yourself where you last knew where God was. Look for him. He's going to do something. And become deaf to all fear. I met with the leaders of the church, and I said, here's what I think God just told me. And so we said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep moving forward. So we continued to meet regularly every week so that we would be postured where he had us, where we would begin to recite all the things he had done, and we would depend on each other for strength so that we could continue to move forward. What happened in the next months was just incredible. The first thing that happened was my father was completely healed from his heart attack. In the months to come, they could not find any proof that a heart attack had ever happened. Second thing that happened is that the church split was resolved. Third thing that happened is we finished the building and moved in. And the fourth thing that happened is on the very Sunday, the first Sunday I had to stand before that community of faith, God began to give me understanding and I began to be able to give prophetic words and tongues and interpretation and discernment that I had never, ever, ever had before. God's power is limitless and he wants to share it with us. If we want to be powerful, 
we must change the place from which we begin to think. We must choose to believe that God's power is limitless and the power that he puts within us is greater than our storm, greater than the big bad boss, greater than any evil presence that has tried to oppress you. For that to happen in our lives, I've got to tell you, I'm just be as honest as I can with you right now. Please hear me. If the only place that you get your spiritual support is here once a month, you probably won't make it as the culture intensifies against the kingdom of God. There needs to be a switch and a change now where you meet with each other on a regular basis through small groups and ministry groups and where you gather to hear the word of God and worship together as they did in the first century. Where we can station ourselves and expect God to answer and that we don't panic, that we move forward. Some of you in this place are fighting a fierce battle. Some of you have given up. Some of you are just, you feel like you're drowning. And this morning, I want to tell you that God's power is limitless. And he wants to share it with you. But you can't just believe it. You got to act on it. So the band is coming back up. In just a moment, I want to pray or give you a word from the scripture that I believe is for you this morning, and then we're going to sing a song, and, and I appreciate your, your, your letting me go a little bit longer this morning. We've had a lot happen that have all been really good things, but I just, I just want to wrap this up for you. So as the band is getting ready, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm just going to say to you that, that are in a battle right now, and, and you need to be strengthened. You need to know that it's all okay. I'm going to invite you to come just stand here. I'm not going to single you out, but we're going, to, we're going to sing a song together, a declaration of who God is in his might and his majesty. And in that process, you need to say, I will stand still. I will station myself. I will look to God. I will move forward, and I will become deaf to fear, and I will gather around me a posse of people who will feed me with the good news of who God is. So in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand and and. You that, that would want to head for the doors, please wait till those who are going to come make it up here so you're not a distraction to them. Okay, would you stand, please? And if you're in a battle right now and you just need to make it through, come just stand here with me. There you go. Come on. And if you see somebody coming up here that you know, that you love, or just something just here says... Oh, I'm attuned to their battle. Come and stand with them. So just come stand with them. Put an, an arm on their shoulder so you can just come and be with them. Come on. Because we don't do this alone. That's it. Okay, so now I know mixed you together. Some of you are coming down to pray for others, and you, now some of you don't know who's who. So if you've come down because you're facing a battle, raise your hand so we can know who you are to make sure somebody's around them. See somebody's hand raised, make sure somebody's around them. Just keep it up. There you go. 
you that have your hands raised, I want you to look around because there's a whole group of people around you saying, you are not alone. We will walk with you through this and you will make it because God's power is limitless and he's going to share it with you. So now here's the word of the Lord for you. I believe it's a God-breathed word from the scriptures. Let it sink deep in you now. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. For the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Open up the doors 
we see. And here we see that God, you're moving. A time of jubilee is coming. When young and old return to Jesus, fling wide you heavenly gate. Prepare the way of the risen Lord. The risen Lord. Yeah. Open up the doors and let the music play. Let the streets breeze out with singing. One more time, open up the doors. by God himself, that joy, fill you full, and the lightness of his load be yours. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.